Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network presented by betonline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined now as always by Badger legend, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Matt, good to see you today. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure indeed. Matt, you were at camp. We're going to talk about what you saw there and uh, some exciting things that we're, we're seeing, especially out of the defense, I think, is really sort of the buzz coming out of camp right now. But before we do that, I want to remind you guys that we are presented by betonline.ag. And if you are into sports betting whatsoever, want to throw a little throw a little cash down on the Badgers for a future pick, maybe do a win the Big Ten West, win the Big Ten title, over 10 and a half wins. Bet online is the place to go to do that to win your money today. Live bets during games, futures for pretty much any sporting event you can imagine. Who's going to win the championship? It doesn't matter. Bet online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online to start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Matt, you were just in Madison. I'm very jealous. Summer in Madison is, I don't know, paradise? If not, it's very close to it. And uh, you got to hang out with one of your old uh, compatriots, Jimmy Leonard. Uh, let's talk. Tell me about it. Tell me about your visit. Tell me about what you saw. Give me everything. Like We could do a whole other podcast on Madison, the city. Um, which I am obsessed with, but, you know, practice, practice was fun to go to. It's much, you know, it's, it's much different because you don't just walk on the field and like shake coaches hands and say hi to them like that. This is a business. And like those guys are locked in. So I just stayed on the sidelines. You know what, what I really, it was indoors because they were expecting rain, which was kind of nice. Cause then I just ran in camp Randall. Like I was back on the field a lot slower, fatter, um, but so what I loved is right away, walk in and you got um, Sean Snee, the the head, head weight training coach. He's there and Chris McIntosh. So right off the bat, you know, like that Sean's going to be there most of the time. But to see Chris on day, what was it, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, four days into camp, you know, just shows how much they care about the football program. You know, Chris played there, so there's a little more ties Um but it's great that he's watching. You know, I, I had a good talk with Sean about the helmets. You know, everyone's looking at the helmets, asking why, what's up with those things. I know I was, you know, is, are they extra protection? I, I figured out that they must be doing some kind of sensors inside that helmet to, to either limit contact or to track contact, which in my mind, I'm like, man, I kind of wish I had this because then I would have taken, they would have given me like three days off mid camp. Like, dude, this guy's helmet has hit everybody else's helmet. It's all in the red. Um, but, you know, he he just kind of, like, went over, like, you know, they're doing studies. They're really trying to learn about the contact and the, and the, the, the velocity, the impact, the violent hits, also with a lot of smaller hits. And so I think it's interesting. Um, you know, I think we both were like, well, what if you guys get data and you're now you're holding people out of practice? And he's like, yeah, we we're, we're, we're working on a lot of things, but 
you know, when somebody gets hit hard, you got to be able to, you pre these weird, I don't even know what to call them, like these Martian helmets, they're not going to wear them in the game. But, you know, I practice, it makes sense. Um, you know, I'm all for it. I don't know about, what do you think? I'm, I'm interested. You know, so, so the first time I saw it, I'm like, okay, so what, what that looks like, for those of you who aren't familiar, if you haven't seen the pictures, they look like, if you've ever watched rugby, there's something called a scrum cap. And a scrum cap is basically like this light. It's a sort of polyester uh, little, it looks like a very old school leather football helmet with like little small pads all over the place on it. And some guys would wear it. I could, I played rugby for 10 years. I could never wear them because I just sweat way too much out of my head. And so I was, I was a guy that I always went with the tape ears. Um, I, I, because I, my head was in a lot of different things, probably where it shouldn't have been a lot of times too. So I, I was, because, you know, you wear that also to prevent getting like cauliflower ear, which we've talked about with wrestlers before. So, but these, I think it's a great thing. I think the more data you can get, the better. All you can, all it can do is give you more information. And now what they do with the information that is up to the coaching staff, that is up to the trainers, the strength and conditioning coaches, you know, all of the people who are way smarter than I am when it comes to this kind of stuff. I, I, you know, I think the one thing some people may worry about is in, you know, over analysis of data is in, in trusting that too much, but I don't think it's a bad thing to have as something that you can, you know, just, it's another point of information for coaches and especially when it comes to what we know about CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. I have to say the full thing because it's one of the few phrases that I can actually like pronounce. I didn't even know what that meant. I just know what it is. Yeah. So never, uh, yeah, one the of the things that has <laughs> been uh, one of the hypotheses around CTE is that it's actually not all like the giant concussions, but it's all like the mini concussions that mm -hmm. really lead to it. Because if you look at someone like Rest His Soul, Junior Seau, I don't think Junior Seau ever really missed, like had had a lot of like big concussions. But if you think about how many hits he delivered as a linebacker playing at USC, then in the league for like 18 years or whatever, it's all those little hits that build up. No and documented, so, no documented major hits. Exactly. That's the problem with, I would say 10, five years, maybe 10 years and prior. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but the the um some of that data you ever you ever go into like a like a, a sport time or like one of these huge like busters and they have that like that that bag you can punch as hard as you can and see what your number is i feel like that would be what my helmet sensors would look like and it's just someone coming up and punching it as hard as they can and just being like oh bernstein look at his numbers they're like through the roof and then you know you look at like jimmy leonard who i love to death is like at like a one and I'm at like 103 million. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm actually, I, I'm with you. I'm very happy that they're doing this. I don't see a lot of other teams doing it. So I, I like that we're kind of trailblazing it. I think the more data, the better, as long as we don't overanalyze, be like, oh my God, this guy took 20 small hits, keep them out and let's do the protocol. Now I'm hoping that the data will collaborate with the protocol and with you know the testing you take on the computer to sometimes hopefully match up to say, Okay, this dude took 50 little hits, but his testing is exactly the same as it was zero hits, you know, pre-practice. Pre so maybe there's a way that they can do individualized data that, that is personalized, you know, CTE, um, I don't know, whatever the scientific word is for it. 
it just collaborates that it makes sense. You know, like a fullback might take some massive hits, but maybe they can take those massive hits. I don't know. Yeah, it's it, it's a combination of so many different things. But also, you know, one of the things that we know is that helmet technology keeps getting better, right? Sure. And so instead of wearing like the basically like the hard plastic shells with like a quarter inch of like padding on it that we had when we were playing football, now there's like not like crumple zones like you have in cars, but, you know, it's going to be a lot, you know, well, I guess, you know, you're never going to be able to completely technologically get rid of the violence in football but also if you right. did that you're it's not football anymore right then so I, I, I don't know I, I, that, yeah you know they listen I, I coached for a long time in high school and there are a lot of other sports that were more dangerous than football hockey you know, football we're, we're we're told is the most on the field it's super violent like I mean on a game day yeah but and practice is violent I think we with the data that we've had for the past 10, 15 years, football practice, these guys are prepared. They're probably the strongest they've ever been. Even when I was coaching in high school, they're in the weight room, they're doing box jumps, you know, they're stretching. They're, they're prepared for all these things. Not saying other sports aren't. I just know from my experience of coaching, you know, we would limit hits. We weren't doing the big hit drills. You know, we weren't, I never got mad at the guys. And we're like, all right, line up one-on-one and blow yeah. no more Oklahoma drill. No, no more Oklahoma drill, you know? So, you know, we still hit each other and you limited the hits that were massive. You tried to have as little as possible. We did a lot of bag work, you know, knowing, and you'll see, like, we'll talk about practice, but at something that Gary Brown and Jimmy and all these guys are coming out with is, you know, it's the first week. There's a lot of mental errors, right? So with the bags, like at least when I was coaching is you, you kind of got the mental errors, locked up, which made, you know, a lot of injuries not happen. You know, I think one of the funniest things coach Alvarez hated was when anyone fell on the ground, like he hated, cause that's an appetite for someone to get really hurt, you know, rolling ankle, rolling knee. Um, I remember once, I can't remember who it was, you know, Barry had his guys. He was absolutely obsessed with him. It must've been like Lee Evans or um, I think it was Lee Evans, but it could have been somebody else, but I was standing with Anthony Davis and people would put their helmets lined up looking real official, but like right on the sideline. So I think Lee ran by it or had to like hop over it or something. And Barry's like, get your helmets off the sideline, like freaking out. But they looked really good. I think we got yelled at for um, having helmets, like just look all over the place and look terrible. So mm-hmm. I think facing them like the right way and they look good at least. And that was the last time you saw a helmet on the ground. Um, but, you know, like, I, so I'm pumped about the sensors. I'm actually interested to see what it what the data is i'm i'm sure they will not share it with you know the peasants of matt bernstein but i would love to you know see what a fullback running back you know here's the thing gary brown in one of his interviews said he talked about reps and they have a rep count and they have like a ton of guys who they're trying to get as many equal reps to me reps is very important but now it may it might become how many reps and how many hits have you taken so you are, you know, you're fresh, your brain's fresh. I mean, that sounds horrible, but it's kind of true though. You know, at, you know, Matt, as the game wears on, your brain gets more and more tired. You don't want to take these hits. I knew I was always pumped because for me in the fourth quarter, I try to still inflict pain on people. Knowing that at the fourth quarter is when people are going to start being like, man, I don't want to helmet the helmet with anybody anymore. And, and that happened to me too. But as long as, you know, I, 
I noticed it and I was like, man, I got a headache. I'll just take more Advil later and let's like rock it out. Um, so well, I, I think that the Badger program for a long time has sort of prided itself on grinding teams down throughout the game, right? So mm-hmm. that, and, and especially like, I think that, that that fatigue you talk about is much more pronounced on defense than it is on offense, right? Because especially I think of it coming from an offensive lineman's perspective, I always felt like going through the game, actually, once you kind of got into like a little bit of a rhythm, you were actually like sharper because you could sort of anticipate how the defensive front moves and things like that before, you know, because the first, especially first series, first two series, when you're out there, you're, you're still trying to like catch up and like sort of like take everything in. Like, yes, you know, we have, we have the scripted plays that we're going to run. We we already know the first 15 plays we're going to run or whatever, but you know, we don't like, I don't know. It's like all of a sudden we've been working on anticipating a four, three all week. And all of a sudden they've come, you know, they've come down with like a, with some like weird, like, two four five like okay how are we going to attack this now now i'm overthinking right right listen i you know fourth quarter was where we shined always oh so i i'm excited you know i hope they use this stuff and the science to make us better and to make us last longer and to make you know people safer i think that's football has to be safe or you're going to have parents not allow their kids to play and then what happens to football? Then it, it, football is by far the best sport in the entire world. I watched the Jets' first two drives last night, and I was like, man, I'm in heaven right now. So, you know, to just watch, like, all the social media, read the articles. I know everyone listening. It, it's so exciting. Like, it's you so exciting. Not excited about not only Badger football, but just football in general. Well, let's let, let's focus here in on Badger football. So, besides <laughs> the helmets, what else was standing out to you uh, while you were at practice? You don't want to talk Jets football? I mean, will, are there terrible. any Badgers on the Jets these days? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. So, so it was interesting to see McIntosh. Obviously, like that shows leadership cares. Um, the helmets are the helmets. You know what I saw was obvious. I think what everyone kind of gets ahead is the defense is always ahead of the offense to start camp. So why is that? What, what, why is, I think a lot of people want to know, like what, what is it just, is it a timing thing for the offense? Is it a fact that, you know, I know I, I, I would, I would think, I don't know. I, I don't know why I would think the offense would be ahead, but you know, tell me from your experience, at least why is the defense always ahead of the offense in fall camp? I, I don't want to say it's more skill to be on offense, but you do. I think it's more factors are involved, right? You have a football that you have to take care of. You have a blocking scheme. Things change. You know, it, defense is, is the same. I, I can't really talk that much for college defense because I didn't give, I didn't care at all about what their schemes were as long as I could figure out who I was supposed to block and who everyone else was supposed to block. Um, but I think offense is just more scientific. You have to throw the ball. Like, what is the defense? They don't throw footballs. They don't run them. They just react to the offense and run downhill and try to tackle the guy with the ball. It's like, that's defense like in a nutshell, I guess. And offenses, you have all these different things working together. So I think it takes a while for the offense to kind of click and start, you know, the quarterbacks can do all the throwing they want with the wide receivers in the off season, but then you put pads on and now you have to throw with pads on. Now you're throwing with other guys. Now you're throwing with some good defensive backs on you, you know? So I think it takes a while to figure out how to get open, how to do all these things which I think the defense is, you know, they're ready. These guys are veterans and they don't have to focus on pass routes and, 
different calls and different all these. Yeah, I mean, okay, there, there are calls. Sorry, there is the responsibilities. But I think on an offense, it's just way different. And I think it takes, you know, a week or two to click. Also, you look at what Gary Brown's saying. They got a lot of young guys. They got a lot of young guys. They, they don't have a lot, a ton of, like, experience between that. And even, it, like, when you, like, the most experienced guy is the transfer, Malusi from Clemson. And that's experience in a completely different system with a completely different coaching staff, offensive philosophy, et cetera, against completely different sort of skill set of competition. Like, no, you know, no disrespect to the ACC, but the Big Ten is much more difficult than the ACC. It's complete. It's a complete different structure of what, what the teams are trying to accomplish. You know, the ACC, Clemson scores a lot of points. That's not our game. We're not trying to score 50 points. We're trying to beat you to a pulp and win. I mean, that's really it. Wisconsin's just trying to win. It would be great if we could score 50 points. I just don't think that's ever been part of like our game plan to win every game by doing what we do, wearing teams down, running the football. Um, and then, you know, obviously I think this year we're going to be a lot better at throwing the ball. I certainly hope so. I hope so too. There's some guys making some big plays. So who did, did, did you see any bit, were there any big plays in front of you while you were, uh, while you were watching? No, sadly, no. I mean, okay. it, it was the first day of pads. So I don't, uh, think it was, you know, a intense, you know, people were fitting more than I think you're, I think more now it's let's ease into it. I feel like coach Alvarez, like let's do goal line on the first day. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we were also veterans you got a lot of young guys who need to figure out. They're giving um, Braylon Allen a lot of reps, which is I like. When I was watching him, I was like, oh, man, this guy looks good. Does he physically stand out like I imagine he would? I mean, you know, not as much as the fullbacks do if I have to pump anyone. But um, he does. I mean, he's jacked. And, and he's, he's tall for a running back. He is. He is tall. He's absolutely jacked. And he looks good. Like he runs with his pads low. It's like a lot of things you like to see. Um, you know, I think Gary Brown has a tough job of figuring out who can play because he's used to have, I think he, in his, in all these things I've been looking on Instagram and, and on the website is he has like five or six guys. He's like trying to figure out where to place. I think he mentioned they had 10 guys, but I mean, that doesn't matter. You going to travel probably five, four or five guys, but if you have five guys who you're looking, I mean, I, what I'm excited to see is from tomorrow is week basically two mm -hmm. going forward. Who are the guys who are standing out? I think all the coaches and all their um, interviews are very like, everyone's doing great. We're so happy. Braylon looks great. You know, um, Jalen looks great. Everyone's doing awesome. They're making mistakes, but you know, Braylon Allen's 17 years old. So he's making mistakes. That's expected. So it's like it's like the Coach Chris um, like manual on the media game plan, the Coach the Chris media, media game, game plan. plan. And I'm like, man, who is going to be the starter? Like, I, I, I can I can have all the hopes in the world, but it doesn't matter. I'm sitting on the couch watching the game, eating chicken wings, you know, screaming into the screen. I want the best guy, but I want a little bit more, you know, info on who of that course, guy might be. of course, like you know, I'm one of those guys, like. You know, I'm definitely trolling like the message boards and like I'm watching all like the little like press conferences, like little like interviews that they have trying to get like any tiny little nugget of information that I can. Like, did he mention did like did like the intonation in his voice change when he talked about a certain player? 
And there's one guy, there's one guy on the offense that they've, that the intonation change they talk about, and that's Jack Nelson, the second year offensive lineman who's starting at right guard. And everyone is talking about him like he is the next, like he is the next great Badger offensive lineman that he just, he's, his mind is wired a little bit differently. Like he, he, like he's definitely getting into some, some tussles. There was a, a, a couple kerfuffles apparently on, I think it was Saturday. It was either Friday or Saturday practice this weekend that he was instigating uh, in a good way, right? In a good way. Uh, Cause I think you want your offensive lineman to be uh, a little bit, I don't want to say unhinged, but uh, you want them to, you know, you want them to be bullies. Yeah. They're offensive linemen. You want them to be bullies. And what's funny is, you know, that reminds me straight what the second you said it, I'm like Donovan Rayola. I'm like mm. Donovan Rayola would, he was, I loved him. He would talk smack. He would get into fights. He might even just get into a fight because somebody pushed somebody 10 plays ago and he's like waiting to do, to get into an, like a, like a little pushing fight. I mean, and, and you, you're right though. Like those guys who stand up for your guys, it just breeds confidence in each other and it breeds trust. You know, he's never going to do that in the field, hopefully, but in practice, people are getting in each other's faces all the time. I remember huge blowout fights um, in practice, you know, and, and it was Donovan, Dan Benning, who we've mentioned, you know, it, it's, it, it was always like the same, you know, it's clink scale. And, and you, once you go into the locker room, you guys are basically best friends again. Like it's just football, you know, like it has nothing to do with, it, it's never like the, it never affects the chemistry. Usually, never in the locker room. Like we'd have guys fight in practice, and then we didn't be in the locker room. Like, get him on the dub because we had a, a W on the on a rug, mm-hmm. and we would say wrestle. Then they would just wrestle, and it would be over. And these wrestle matches were like in front of like a hundred dudes in the locker room, like getting pumped. You know, offensive, defensive guys. Like it was great. Um, I was not a fighter because I'm like we're all wearing pads, and this is such a waste of time, and the coaches hate it. And then they get mad at us and, you know, then we got to run. And I'm like, guys, just wrestle in the locker rooms. <laughs> um, well, I think know, like when, when you have those, would you have those fights? If it does extend like beyond the field, like that's actually like that actually portends something much deeper and worse about the team. Sure. And, you know, I, I think guys are going to, especially like as camp wears on, you get, I don't know if frustrated it's the right word, but you, you know, it's, it, it gets tedious and sometimes something's just going to set someone off and that's okay. Again, it's football. Like if, if it didn't, like if you're just going to be like completely relaxed, nonchalant about everything, like that might not be like the best sign. Yeah. If you're going to be nonchalant in football, you might be in the wrong sport. Um, I, I just, I just remember like we got into a brawl at camp. And so Coach White, this is my favorite thing. Coach White used to get, he used to tell the film crew, film all the fights and don't, because they used to cut, they used to cut them out. So no team could see him. We would watch them in the running backs room. And it was great. We're like, oh my God, look at these guys like attacking, but you're punching people in the helmet. Like how dumb could you possibly <laughs> Like they're wearing a full helmet. You know, like my thing is whenever, whenever anyone runs in without a helmet on, that is the stupidest person on your team. They should probably get cut immediately. Like if someone headbutts them by accident, it's going to cut their head open. I just always thought we, we would watch him and watch him. He'd rewind and be like, look at this guy. And then eventually my coach would be like, 
yo, next time anyone could take a hit on that dude, hit him. And, I, you know, legally, this wasn't like Vilma paying dudes to like go in there and crush dudes. But um, it was I, <laughs> this guy, Darius Jones, broke his hand. He was a D end. And all the D linemen, you talk to Antaj next week about him, like about the D line. These dudes, if one person got into a fight, 10 of them got into a fight. It's like the one great thing about, um, you know, the, some of the O-line guys would be like, yo, guys, break it up, break it up. These dudes had, they were like just attack mode. And Darius Jones had a club on his hand and we just watching him whack people in the helmet with it. And we're like, how dumb is this guy? One, he's a broken hand, but it was this huge pillow. So he probably didn't feel it. Whacking dudes in the helmet, which is probably really annoying. Probably hurts. Well, it's also technically illegal. It's during a fight yeah. at, at camp. Um, you know, and then, and then you see like me, Anthony Davis, like Booker, some other dudes, Greg Root, legitimately probably just standing there watching and just going, oh, my God, look, he just swung at him because there's no reason to run into this. Like, you're just going to get in trouble. Um, and then sometimes I was like, what the hell is that coach doing? Like, why is he pulling dudes out like fiercely? Um, so this is, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. We got way off. It's okay. That, 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 that's the whole point. Say, like, obviously, this is not this is not Wisconsin football. It's high school football. We had a kid, our starting defensive end, who broke his hand, got a club, and immediately became like an all state level defensive end because he just used it as a weapon because yeah. he was a little off to begin with, and he didn't like have any like good ways to use his hands when he was you know as a defensive end. Once it became a club for him, like he just he turned in to like Jason Taylor. Like it was just, it was ridiculous. Yeah. That's, but that's what I loved about the D line. They were funny dudes, man. I can't probably tried to fight everybody, but, but you know, like within, I mean, it's never like a fight. Like we're thinking about like a fist fight at a bar or something. It's like pushing, shoving, grabbing. There's really nothing you could do to hurt somebody unless you were like really an, and an, I don't know what the ter- we, words we can use, but like an A, Oh, we can use whatever words you want. Okay, cool. So it was pretty much like anyone who was like an, you know, an a-hole who might try to kick someone in the, you know, but I think I saw that one time. Like that's really grimy to do. One of the questions I had for you is sort of like, uh, is 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 sort of a higher level question. Now, I think you had, now your first two years there, was Bollinger starting both your first two? Who was starting your first two years? So when I redshirted, it was Bollinger. When I played my first year, it was Bollinger. Okay. And then your second year, you had... My second year was Sorgi. Sorgi. And then Stocko. And then third and fourth were Stocko. Stocko. Yeah. So, okay. So my question for you then, there was an open competition, right? Before Stocko came in, before Stocko was like the guy, right? Because Sorgi graduated and went right. to the NFL. I imagine there was like at least some sort of like open competition for QB going into that would have been your junior season. Or was he sort of like the guy from the whole time? Because the reason I ask is because... One of the reasons I think that we saw Mertz be up and down last year is the fact that we never really knew if he was going to be the quarterback because Cohen was still there. And then Cohen kind of got hurt during like that weird fall, like mini camp time. And so Mertz sort of just like thrust to being the guy kind of laid on this year. He's had an entire offseason as the guy. And that is one of the reasons I think that he is going to take a big step forward this year because instead of having to get minimal reps whether it's in spring ball or the fall ball as the number one guy he's been getting all those number one team reps as since you know since offseason training started in january 
Do you think that is a, am I on point or am I completely off base here? And B, did you, did, did Stocko have that same thing or did he, was he sort of like the guy the second that Sorgi was gone? Well, so the thing with Stocko is Matt Shabert was there. Mm-hmm. Sh- you know, Shabes was coming off throwing that miracle touchdown to Lee Evans in 03 against Ohio State. You know, I think, and Shabes was one of my roommates and I love the dude. I love Stocko. Like I, you know, to me, it was like, it was a competition. I think for the coaches, they, they were like, we're going to go with Stocko. He's got a bunch more years. I, I guess maybe they just liked his swag better and they just thought maybe he had a, a higher ceiling. I, I wasn't, you know, I'm not in on those conversations. I just, that's what I kind of felt. Um, and I think it's kind of the same thing with Jack. I actually think Jack, listen, Jack just transferred and now is the starting quarterback at Notre Dame. You're talking about one of the best programs historically. And now he's the starter. They were in the, the playoff. Like they were in the playoff eight months ago. So then, so then you look at it and you go, well, maybe Notre Dame didn't have a good guy. Who knows? But I, let's give Jack some credit. He didn't do anything wrong to, to Wisconsin. He, I mean, it's, to me, I think they did the same thing. They, they said, Graham has a higher ceiling. We have him for four more years. Let's get him these reps in this weird time. The, the season doesn't count, right? He can keep playing if he wants because it's COVID. I think they're like, you know what? Let's just throw him in. And then he had that great game. And I think at that point, it's like, all right, that's our guy. We're just going to pull him. Now, I, I do think at some points, Jack should have went back in. I think we, you know, like we. I, I concur. Now, there was some scuttlebutt. I don't like that word, but I'm going to use a scuttlebutt that. He didn't really, he had sort of felt betrayed and didn't really want to go back in after that happened, which, okay, part of me doesn't blame him there. Also, like, there there wasn't entirely sure, like, what the retro rule was going to be. So if he doesn't play at all that season, right, then he keeps that all of his eligibility and whatnot, even though it ended up being a throwaway year. Yeah. But I also don't think it's actually a bad thing to get Chase in and get him some reps either, because I think, because Chase brings a really different dimension. He's uh, one heck of an athlete. He reminds me of Tyler Donovan. Um, yes, a lot. I would agree. Yeah. You know, I still think, I still think that, you know, you're not going to go in and play poorly on purpose. I don't think that's Jack's personality and character. Um, I do, you know, like, I don't know. It's hard to say that Graham shouldn't have been taken out at some point during some games. I think he should have started every game. I think he is our guy. He was going to be our guy, no matter what happened in camp, unless Jack overshone you know, overplayed his abilities. I think he, you know, Graham was the guy. And they, I think that's when they got him, that was their thought process. Do I think in certain games they should have taken him out and put Jack Cohen for sure? You know, I think, I do think Jack got betrayed a little bit. You know, like when I got hurt, you, you really become, you, you're not an integral part of the, the machine anymore. It's, it's really, it, it's hurtful. It's sad. It's hard. Like, when practice started, they're like, do you want, they're like, come down, you're going to go work out. But I'm like, but I could be up here and help, you know? And they're like, doesn't, we don't, you know, you go, go work out with the hurt guys. And then, you know, you're just really not important. Like your input's not important. It's, it, it, it's not a great place to be. So I understand where he's coming from. Um, but I don't think if, if I came back the next year and they're like put in Presley and then they're like, Hey Matt, go in for some of the game. I would have been pumped to at least try to get my spot back or outshine, you know, the guy they think is the man. So I, I you know, I feel bad for Jack because one, he's a New Yorker, so I love him. But look at his his pinstripe bowl game was amazing. He was phenomenal. It's phenomenal. 
He was know, even he was awesome against uh what was it, Miami in in that uh that well that was Miss Tennis Bowl, but the Orange Bowl the previous season too. Yeah. So you know, we're talking about a guy who did a lot of great things at Wisconsin. You know, we recruited a guy who was phenomenal and he's starting. You know what? Jack probably felt betrayed because who wouldn't feel betrayed? Like there should be years on that. They didn't give him a shot to even try to get back to it. So I get where he's coming from, but I would still have put him in. I think that's some adversity that Graham didn't face. He was the guy, no matter what, he could do whatever he wanted. And I think, you know, in college, taking guys out, having them really sit with a coach and look at the mistakes. And now I think having this whole off season, he can do that, right? Really digest the season, get in with coach Chris, have these conversations and now produce. So I think the reps are huge. You know, I still want to see him play a little bit better outside of the first game, but he's a freshman, like first time playing. So if you go back to OU watching me play, like I wasn't that good. I was just better than the other guys, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think the steps that he'll take this season, I, I have to believe that they'll be huge. I have to believe throwing Kendrick Pryor looks awesome. You know, I have to believe that he's throwing with these dudes. He's throwing with the running backs. We have five or six running backs that can play this year. Last year, we did not have that. We had like one and a half. We had one and a half. So now you have five guys. You have some bigger backs. You know, Gary Gary Brown did say that they don't have a four down back. So I'm, I'm interested to see when that changes. Mm-hmm. You know, like when he's excited about that's the guy. Yeah. You know, if I had to put my Jay money Burke. on someone being that guy, it'd be Berger. But just because I think that I, I think Berger is someone if he, he went to high school, uh, what Don Bosco, I think up in northern New Jersey. I, th- I think it was Don Bosco. It, it, was, it was one of those big powerhouse Catholic programs in, in or Bergen Catholic. It was one of those two. Berger, I think it was Bergen Catholic. Bergen Catholic. They used him. He he lined up in the slot a lot. When he and so and one of the things that went away last year under when Rudolph when Rudy was calling plays was the jet sweep and the jet sweep has been a phenomenally effective play for the Badger offense going back to the days of like freshman Melvin Gordon mm-hmm. when he just un- single handedly annihilated Nebraska in the Big Ten title game when when they, when they put up seventy points because they would just they would that jet sweep and Melvin could just hit, just hit the edge and go. Mm-hmm. And but he started that by lining up in the slot and, and and doing that. And I think that given the skill position talent that is on this team, we might see some of those looks where we see Berger in the slot and Malusi in the backfield or Allen in the backfield. And, you know, Malusi can catch passes as well. So I'm I'm you, like you said, like, I'm very curious to see. I'm just curious to see like what the personnel like groupings and pairings that they have out there are, because even, you know, like one of my favorite things that the Badgers do is I've talked about it before barge formation. Um, You know how much we we know that they graduated uh, their starting fullback from last season, but John Chanel has had plenty of game experience, but does Quan Easterling step up as a fullback? Because he's a kid who was, you know, you don't see a ton of scholarship fullbacks. He's a scholar. He was a scholarship fullback coming out of high school. So mm-hmm. he's in his third year with the program. I'm excited to see if he's going to be able to to add something as, 
you know, he was like you coming out of high school. He was a fullback that got a lot of carries and didn't do a lot of blocking. Now, in the Wisconsin's game, obviously, you got to block. You've got to be able to catch balls, a fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, was that something that was tough for you to adapt to, uh, catching the ball in the backfield? Catching the ball, no. I mean, I did have a drop pass in at Temple in 2005. It's, Not that you remember all of your plays or anything. It, though that's the one I dropped. It haunts me. To, I never dropped the ball. I was like, I was prideful in that area. Um, in high school, I... When I going from ninth grade to 10th grade, I became a tight end and the quarterback was going to be a senior and he was phenomenal at throwing the ball. He actually went to Bucknell, the tight end and he broke his foot twice. And that was basically it for him. But he was like six, four, he could wing the ball and he was athletic. We ran a wing tee and he's like still one of my best friends. Um, and in the off season, all we did was throw in the gym. We both played basketball. So we'd pick up the ball and just throw it. We, we threw in the, we had one coach who was, an absolute psycho. So every Tuesdays and Thursdays after practice, we would go and throw the football all day. I'd run a hundred rounds. I was dying, you know, but I loved it. And I, and so from that point on, I was like, I, we, we would pride ourselves in not dropping balls. Um, so I do remember the one I did drop because I think it might've been a touchdown, but Hey, you know, we scored and it was temple. So like it didn't matter, but I still will never forget that until I die. Um, but, you know, like if you look at uh, like a Brian Calhoun type, like that would be great because you can put three, talk about the barge, put three running backs in. Then you have the jet sweep option. You have a running, you have a pass play and you can put the fullback in and he could run the ball. And I think coach Chris will have packages. He is one of those guys that comes up with these, like these interesting things. Listen, if Braylon Allen can do it, if the Clemson guy can do it, I can't say his name, but Malusi, do it. Yeah. If, um, if Jalen can do it, listen, well, I, these guys are going to play. And that's, I'm excited to see if Julius yeah. Davis can contribute finally. He's been so nicked up and injured, but I mean, he's a guy who turned down, I mean, he's from Green Bay, but he turned down the scholarship to LSU to come to Wisconsin. Like, you know, that's a, that, that's saying something. That's saying, but that's something that's at least saying something about the innate talent that he has. And so I think that, you know, we could, we, we we could see it's just it's so much unknown at this point i guess is what, what i'm trying to get at it's so much unknown especially in the backfield i feel like there more so than any other position we have the most amount of question marks the other position that's had that probably has the most question marks going into this season is the defensive line the defensive line really only bringing back one starter in keanu benton who you know i've talked about here many times as being one of my favorite players on the badger defense i just I, I just I, I love the guy. I love having wrestlers as defensive linemen. And <laughs> he was a state. He was like a three time state champion heavyweight wrestler. Mm-hmm. And guys like that know how to use leverage. And he's large. Like he's very large. Did you see any of the other, of the other D linemen uh, while you were at practice? Did anyone stand out to you? You know, it's hard. It's hard to see the D line because I'm watching the offense so aggressively. But I love um, who's the coach right now. I'm blanking. Uh, Kalazage. Kalazage. Uh, I can't pronounce yeah, the, uh, the, the former. The former. The former strength coach. Yeah. Yeah. Kalazage, yeah. Uh, also known as the Mountain. If you ever, yeah. dude, looks just like the Mountain. He does. Game of Thrones. Just call um, him Coach K. We just call him Coach K. I call him the Mountain because you know you're talking. You're talking. Okay. So here's what I love about the D line. I think they're going to be the best. One of the best players on the field. Kalazage looks like a meathead. Works out all day, is unbelievably strong, 
And then you go and talk to them about the methodology of strength and conditioning. And it will blow your brain on how smart the guy is on, 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 on weight training, on stretching, on doing all these different things on nutritional values. You know, I was sitting there like, what, what the, I thought you were, we were going to have like a dumb meathead conversation and he's hitting me with all the science. And I was like, fascinated, absolutely fascinated by, you know, they're doing individual stuff fascinated by his his knowledge of strength and conditioning nutrition all the science that's awesome and you know a, a lot of guys have talked about that for a long time i think it's just an interesting transition you don't see a lot of strength coach becoming position coaches and a lot of times that's because strength coaches tend to be meatheads right and well, John Detman was not a meathead. He was a he was a smart dude, also. But Kalaji, everything I see on it, you know, like he 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 talk he he talks with a purpose. What he says, you know, he means. You can see it. He's got some some of the stuff I love on you know on, on Instagram. It's like, well, now I'm ex- now I'm fired up, you know. So and and you have a you have a veteran who did it. So I think you you look up to your coach who who, who have done it like that. He did it at Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, so he's a known commodity. I think these guys will be extremely smart. Um, their mental game will be strong on the field and they're going to be prepared, you know, and, and if he has all that background knowledge, think about how strong these guys are going to be and how much they're not going to waste reps and how mm-hmm. much they're going to waste doing certain things when they don't have to. Yeah. I- I'm excited to see sort of, especially with, you know, both Laddermilk and Rand graduating, moving on. Laddermilk's the NFL. I'm not sure what Rand is up to. But, you know, they have question marks. Henningsen is a big, strong guy who's got a, who has a lot of game experience. He's definitely mm-hmm. one of the starters. Looks like Mullins is going to be one of the starters. But, oh, you know, you, you know, we, we talked about some, like, you know, we listen for that little, like, intonation difference or, like, a little, you know, catching the voice or something like that. When they're talking about certain players, Rodis Johnson is the guy that I think is what uh, a lot of coaches have been saying, or especially, you know, the mountain, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Um, And Leonard have been saying that he's someone who's really come on strong now in his third year in the program at the defensive end position, even lining him up at defensive tackle a little bit. You know, sometimes it takes guys a couple of years. Like, you know, it's not an easy, you think like being like a huge dude, in the middle of a defense is like an easy position, but it's sometimes it just takes those guys, you know, one a year longer to, to kind of get acquainted with the game and the coaching. And, you know, I, I can't see Ross not getting him prepared and ready to play a football game. I think it, I think it, you know, you, you're happy and you're lucky to get a guy, you know, and, and maybe he was behind some dude. So he didn't, wasn't able to show off what he could do. seems like that's, you know, where he was now, I'm, ex- you know, like I'm always excited to see the D lineman because I just think under Jimmy they're put in positions to really play well, like and have success. And with Jimmy and Ross, you know, like, I find you're gonna have to run the ball on us or try because we have great DBs. They I- really I- have strong DBs this year. So really strong DBs. A couple of interceptions. Um, you know, these guys look like they're playing faster than the wide receivers, and I. You know, I think at, at this point, maybe they are, you know, but that's when we got to kind of come, you know, you always had, you don't always have a Lee Evans. You got to kind of meet their intensity 
the defense is always more fired up at the beginning. Um, but I, I'm just amped because everything I see from Jimmy on these videos is just smart, fun. Like these guys look like they're having a good time and they're going to have success. You just listen to this guy, they'll have success. Um, so I'm excited. The D line just always gets me pumped because they play. I mean, you're putting three guys against five linemen, you know, like, and they have success. Like they eat up line, line, their job. Jobs. Yeah. They do their jobs. That's also something that's huge is you have a lot of guys who want to tackle or want to sack and they don't do their jobs. And then the defense gets shredded. You know, you'll, uh, Antosh is a great example. This dude was probably the best, one of the best athletes on the field, one of the best players. And that dude did his job and then made the tackle. So you're like, okay, this guy is an All-American because he's doing exactly what he's being told and then just doing more. Like after being told what to, to hold the gap, you just make the tackle. And that's, that's not normal, but we didn't also do a, a three, four. So you're asking these guys to do a lot and, you know, it's exciting you know, I'm I'm excited to watch the the, the D line play. The linebackers, you know, you're always going to get guys to run around like you know go crazy and crush people. Yeah. That can be well, you, you you know, if he was on the team today, Erasmus James would have been an outside linebacker. He wouldn't have been a D end. He would have been a linebacker. Right. Right. But I think maybe with him, we might have been a four three defense though. Yeah. I mean, I I think that you know, well, one of the things that I really admire about about Coach Leonard is that he just finds a way to put the best 11 guys on the field for whatever, whatever the situation dictates. Yeah. Sometimes that means it's having one down lineman. Yep. And that's okay. Yep. And sometimes it means it, it, it means having four down linemen, but it, it, it may be a base three, four or whatever you want to call it. But there are, that there are ways that he gets the most effective 11 players for whatever is needed at that given moment in the game right. at any given time that are, I think that's one of the reasons that he has been able to ascend so quickly in the coaching ranks and not just, you know, he was a, he was a, he was Wisconsin's defensive coordinator in his second year as a football coach, not just that, but now he is widely regarded as one of the three best probably defensive coordinators in the country. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that because he knows how to package players together, put schemes together and put players in a place where they can succeed. And I think that one of, one of my biggest gripes with certain coaches is that they're always trying to fit uh, you know, a square peg in a round hole. They're not using the best talents of the players. They're trying to get their players to mold into what they think needs to be needed for uh, yeah. or, or like an idealized version of whatever the position that they have is. So if you're a like a couple like two years ago, they had Chris Orr, who Chris Orr is a little bit undersized. Chris Orr is it was a fantastic pass rusher as a middle linebacker. Now, middle linebackers are not typically your best right. pass rushers. Well, he ended up with 12 and a half sacks. Why? And the defense was so awesome. They were so really great against the run because he was able to put him in a position where he could use the best of his traits, which was, you know, pass rushing and actually dropping into coverage. He's a little smaller guy. He wasn't, you know, I mean, he was an unafraid tackle. I love Chris. I just, I loved everything about Chris Orr. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Just he's mm -hmm. fun. But I think that, you know, 
Coach Leonard put him in a position to succeed at the highest of levels because of that. No, I, and I think that stems back to Jimmy's time. He was on the, re- well, where he started in uh, the Bills. Uh, start, no, started with the Jets. He started with the, I thought he started with the Ravens. Oh, sorry. Ravens, Bills, Jets, or Ravens, uh, Ravens, Jets, Bills, because he kind of followed Rex Ryan around. Yes. So, but, but he followed Rex Ryan because Rex Ryan trusted him. I, I remember talking with Jimmy um, at, with the Jets when they had Cromartie and uh, Revis. And I'm like, Jimmy, from what I watch on the games, and I don't know the NFL that well, these guys are not doing the, the right things all the time. And he's like, no, they're not. I have to tell them what to do a lot of times. Like, they don't even know when we break the huddle. They, like, have no idea what the defense is. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. He's like, that's that's why that's why I'm here. He's like, I tell these guys. So I think Jimmy was coaching stud. At, you know, Darrell Revis could do whatever he wanted. He was one of the best cornerbacks. I mean, Revis Island, like the, like the original right. blank island is Darrell Revis. Right. But imagine Jimmy coaching him on the field on how to – or on what to do or on his responsibility or the coverage – I don't know those exact conversations, but I believe that Jimmy was the, you know, like the, the, the orchestrator of a lot of the, the, the defensive um, schemes in the backfield for, for the jets. And why do you think Rex Ryan took him from the Ravens where he played with like Ray Rice or not Ray Rice, Ray um, Lewis. He played with like a lot of these studs, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, Ray Lewis, I think so. Yeah. He played with a lot of, but yeah. a lot of guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he played with uh, Terrell Suggs. Yep. He played with, uh, I'm trying to think of some of those other guys that they had. Jimmy Smith, the cornerback, who was who was an outstanding, like, ridiculous athlete at cornerback. Uh, Haloti Nada. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But then Rex took him to the Jets and then took him to the Bills because he was trusted. Um. And I think he brings that, you know, all that experience, playing on different teams, playing with different guys. You know, I think he is – I think Jimmy's just a special dude. Like, we can say everyone's special, but I think that guy's a notch above, like, even the specialist of special people. I mean, for what he did in his whole career, and now he's where he is today, that just doesn't happen, like, if you're just some, like, Joe Schmo. You know, you're not a Matt Bernstein on the street. You're a Jimmy Leonard. This dude can just – if he just sees it, like uh, sometimes you'll see, watch, they have two down linemen, like you were saying, they're getting torched and then they come out in the second half and it's something completely different. And I think he can on the fly change the game plan and the guys trust him, and he trusts those guys. And you're right. He puts dudes in the right position to make plays and use their skill set to have them be successful. I, I love Chris or too. Cause I just thought he was such a nice guy off the field and played the football that I love. So it's so nice to see like him be so successful, but you're right. A middle linebacker, anyone I've ever played with, usually he's not a pass rusher. They blitz here and there mm-hmm. blitz and was getting sack after sack after sack. You know, it's like Alex Lewis. He was an outside linebacker. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, let's put him in three point stance and see what he can do. You know, just thinking like, Oh, he could be a great pass rusher. He's got a motor forever. And they did it. And the guy had like what four or five sacks against Purdue. Purdue yeah. So, you know, I, I, that's what I love about the defense. You know, I don't, you don't really, you and I probably don't watch the D line and see them, you know, shining bright like a diamond, but you see them, you know, you see the linebackers make plays without getting blocked. And that's only because the D line is it's doing done their it. job. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I'll get you out of here on this. What is the what is the biggest question you have? I think you might have already answered this, but what's the biggest question you have <laughs> before the first game? Is it, is it the, that running back position? You know, I'm always I'm an offensive guy. So for me, it is it's it's who is it's who do they trust? Who's number one? Who's going to be the first and second down back? I'm interested to see who's going to be the third down back. You know, I'm just I'm, I'm just interested. I just love it. I'm interested in the rotation. I'm interested to see if Gary Brown could figure out um, an equation that keeps everyone fresh at, and, and they play in the slots that they want to play in. They're happy with and he can pro- and get them to produce. He said he's going to go with the hot guy. I think you have to. But if you have Jalen Berger take 50 reps and have other guys who are, have been super successful, you got to let those guys get in the game. Mm-hmm, for um, sure. You know, and some of the teams I played on, you, you, know, you had an Anthony Davis who I think stood out amongst everyone in the group, you know, when then AD graduated, you saw you had Booker Stanley and some other guys, but they were not in Anthony Davis. But imagine if we had an overlapping year with Anthony Davis and Brian Calhoun. Calhoun. Oh my God. I mean, you're talking about Calhoun was Calhoun was ridiculous, but Calhoun had 500 reception receiving yards. Yeah. Rushing. And he wasn't a big dude. So like, imagine that guy. Like, imagine that overlap. So having, you, you know, Gary Brown, Coach Brown saying, I have five or six guys. I have 10 guys, but I have five or six that are producing. Which is really interesting to me because when he's been a position coach, like for the Cowboys, he's always had a bell cow. Like he's always had like Ezekiel Elliott or right. Darren McFadden or uh, I forget they had DeMarco Murray. Like they always had a dude who was getting 300 touches. Now that's the NFL right. level. You're 16 games on 12 blah 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 but still like they've always seemed to have like one guy who is the dude and someone who comes in to spell the dude right whereas this is a very different situation for him as a coach i am so excited about him like as a coach like he seems freaking awesome like yeah. he seems freaking awesome i'm very you know i just i i want to see how that how that translates that's i guess my my biggest question is still the running backs and then what you know, we talked about this on the last show. What's the play calling going to look like with Chris back calling the plays? I am like so excited about this, but I want to see, you know, I, I especially want to see like how I want to see, I know how like the Graham Mertz, uh, Paul Chris mind meld works, right? Because you, you, you sort of need that, right? Mm-hmm. You, you sort of need like he needs to understand like what's you know not just what the what is this play but like why are we calling this play and what part of the field do I need to attack with this play et cetera et cetera. So I'm I'm just I'm curious to see how that is all going to work and I'm I don't know man I'm just freaking excited like I'm just freaking excited I'm excited. I mean, how could gonna- you not be? How could you not be? It's it's this time of year it gets me every year man it gets me every single freaking year. Yeah. Every year I think we're going to the Rose Bowl. Every year I think that my beloved Buffalo Bills are going to the well no not every year I think we're going to the Super Bowl. We're, we're off. <laughs> I think we're going to the Super Bowl this year but you know I think that you gotta get past just, them Jets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still That's what every you, team says. I still yeah, don't yeah, think you took the, the right quarterback. I still think you take should have taken Fields. I I don't understand it but you know. I, I actually think they should have taken fields also. Um, but, you know, you never know. You never know. that Now, everyone's like, oh, he looked great. Six for nine. Yes. I mean, I know it's a topic. It doesn't matter. But Zach Wilson didn't do anything to impress me. Like, dude, you're in the NFL against the, the Giants second team defense. They uh, now they don't they're not terrible. But the second team defense is usually not that good in the in the, in the NFL. I don't care what you say. 
and you kicked the field goal and punted. If you have how many how many um, drives do you get? Five, six, seven? If you're lucky. I mean, in in a game. In a game. Yeah. I I think that I think we're looking at I think I want to say it's like you get like eight to ten drives a game. But some of those are like three and outs. Like might be quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we had two drives in the first half. Unless I missed one, that could be. A, yeah, I had some beers. Um, so I might have missed one. But if you only have two in the first half and you don't score a touchdown, it's three to nothing. It's a problem. It's a problem. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a game. You know, he's at the limelight. He's from BYU. He's coming to New York. It's kind of a whatever. You know what? Let's see what he does at at Green Bay. That's a big game. I, I don't know why I'm talking about the Jets. I don't really, I mean, I love them, but I don't really care. But I'm pumped. Penn State at home. I'm excited to see Gary Brown, just his overall career as a Badger. I think he's the right guy. I think everything I see on Twitter cracks me up. Everything I see video-wise, I'm obsessed with. Um, I think the running backs are going to crush it this year. I think you have fresh guys who feed off each other. Um, I know AD used to do that with all the, you know, like they would feed off of like his intensity. Um, so I'm happy to see these guys. I want to see who's going to step up at wide receiver. And I want to see the play calling just be a whole lot more than what kind of the vanilla ish that we're really good at. I want to see some sprinkles mixed in, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for here, us here today. Later this week, we'll be back with Antosh Hawthorne, which I am so pumped about. Um, so, Matt, have a great rest of your weekend. And until next time, on Wisconsin. You too, on Wisconsin. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.